Here comes Riddell Jones. Three seconds, two seconds. Riddell all the way outside to Watford. Three on the way. Oh! And one in! And one in! And Indiana wins the ball game! I think Peyton's going to watch. Intercepted! Colts are going to the Super Bowl! Comes George, got the step and scoffs one move and counts in the foul. He beat LeBron James. Steps in. Puts Pettis. And they're saying he is in. Man, I cannot figure out why the Colts can't win a week one game. There's been so many opportunities that the Indianapolis Colts should have won week one, and we haven't done it since 2013. It's not a Frank Reich problem. It's not a Chris Ballard problem because we were losing before they both even came into the picture. So I'm going to be talking about the Colts today, what my expectations are for Jacksonville, and I'm going to be talking a little bit of Indiana football today. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to DW Sports. I'm your host, Will Feller. And I love it when I talk about my teams and I'm not talking about some other big news like the Dallas Cowboys losing. <laughs> Hilarious, by the way, because, you know, I, I don't I shouldn't say I don't like it because I love it. I love talking about sports in general. But when I'm talking about my teams, it makes it a little bit sweeter because. I get to state my thoughts and opinions for 30 minutes of my own team. So that's what we're going to be doing today. Indiana Hoosier football got a win against Idaho on Saturday. And Colts football tied 2020 against the Houston Texans on Sunday. Tomorrow, IU plays Western Kentucky at home at noon. And the Colts play at Jacksonville at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Let me know your thoughts on the Colts and the Hoosiers. If you haven't heard about my IU schedule prediction yet, click a few videos before this one because I predicted every game in Indiana football schedule. Yes, every game. And I'm not going to spoil anything because I want you to go watch the episode or listen to it or wherever you're listening or watching at. Please go do that if you haven't already listened or heard that because – Whatever I said in the episode, I stand by all of it right now. There's nothing that I've seen so far in their season that's changed my mind about that video. Follow our social medias as well. Our Instagram and Twitter is DW Sports with two S on the end, at DW Sports with two S on the end, perhaps. Our Snapchat and our TikTok is at DW underscore sports. Our email is DW Sports Show at gmail.com. And our YouTube is DW Sports. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, go sub to the YouTube. That's where all the good stuff is at. For my people listening on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, what color shirt am I wearing today? What's in the background behind me? You don't know because you're listening to the audio, which there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, my friends. Sometimes audio is the best route because maybe you're driving or maybe you have headphones in and you're working on something at the gym or uh, you're at work and you're listening and you can't really sit down and physically watch somebody talk and you can listen to it 
the audio version is best for that. But if you're just chilling at home, I would prefer to listen to the YouTube version where you can physically see me. So make sure to go follow our social medias during the break. I will be right back to talk about the Colts in the IU Hoosiers. Give me your unbiased opinions about them on our social medias, man. I really, really like hearing your guys' opinions. I like talking with you guys. So during the break, follow our social medias. I'll be right back. Welcome back, my friends, from the break. Hopefully, you guys subbed to our social medias and followed it and did all that good stuff. IU opens up as a six-and-a-half-point favorite against Western Kentucky on Saturday, and the Colts open up as a three-point favorite. It was interesting because the Colts were three-and-a-half-point favorites yesterday, which means that Vegas has more money flowing towards Jacksonville. And it's understandable. If this was a year where – you know, we don't have a new quarterback. We still got Andrew Luck. I would kind of be shocked, especially because we got Shaq Leonard out. Alec Pierce, I don't believe, will play. If we had history in Jacksonville of winning, we just go in there and we dominate. Maybe not even dominate, just win there occasionally. I don't think that we're only three-point favorites. I think that we're at least five-point favorites, perhaps even six-point favorites on the road at Jacksonville because Jacksonville is not better than the Colts, right? Their talent level on the field, their production level on the field from their guys is just flat out not better than what the Indianapolis Colts are. Just like week one, the Colts haven't won there since 2014. So we have a curse there. Week one, I know it was 2013, but just like week one, it's like we almost have a curse there. We can't win there. I was actually happy that the NFL put week one, and then Jacksonville right after week one. I was happy because that's the two games we can never win. We can never win week one, and we can never win at Jacksonville. So put that week one and two, and we're chilling. Now, my reaction to the Colts game on Sunday actually wasn't as terrible as what other fans were. I listened to Jake and Quarry. Dan Dockett show in the ride with JMV all on 1075 the fan and 935 the fan. All three shows are great. All three shows are shows that inspired me to start this show. But they take in callers because they do a live radio show and they take in callers and chat with callers. And most people are saying, Fire Frank Wright, he sucks. His play calling is not good. I don't know what we're gonna do. We're going to be doomed with Frank Reich as our coach this season. It was that, and then it was, Cut Blankenship, Blankenship is not good. He saw us so many times. That, my friends, I actually did agree with, okay? I think we did need to cut Rodrigo Blankenship, and we got our wish. He's cut. We got a new kicker coming in now. Chase McLaughlin, I like him. Really, if he can just hit 40-yard field goals, 40 to 49, I'm good with it. I won't be mad at anything 50 and out, especially on the road, especially outside because the Colts have an indoor um, stadium. I guess their camp is outside, so I, maybe that's not a bad excuse. But on the road, 
in outside weather conditions, inside 40 and anything from 40 to 49, he's got to be able to hit. And I think Chase McLaughlin can do that definitely. But 17 points we are down in the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter, we are down three to 20. Three to 20. And we came back and tied it up at 20. And I honestly thought we had a good chance to win. We got the ball in overtime. And all we had to do was kick a field goal. Houston got the ball first. We made them punt. And by that time, when we tied it up at 20, their offense literally did nothing. In fact, in the fourth quarter, our defense steps up and Houston's offense virtually did nothing the whole fourth quarter. And that's how it should have been the whole game. If our defense played in offense, I would even say, like we did in the fourth quarter of the whole game, it wouldn't have even been close. And the reason why I'm saying I'm not as mad as some fans is because, guys, you guys are forgetting this is our best start since 2013. You know? It's our best start since 2013. I was eight years old in 2013. We've lost every single week one game from 2014 to 2021. Seven straight years of losing week one opening games. And no, it's not a win, but it's a tie. It's, it's better than a loss. It's way better than a loss. And after everything panned out, the AFC South, nobody has a win in the division. The Colts are in the worst division in football. The AFC South, I think, has officially passed up the NFC East, and they took over the realms of the worst division in football. Nobody has a win week one. Now, I think that since us and the Texans are both 0-0 and 1, that's fine right now because will the Texans finish with a better record than the Colts? God, I hope not. God, I hope not. That would be whew, atrocious. If the Texans finish with a better record than us, I think Ballard would be gone. I think Reich would be gone. I don't even know what would happen, to be honest. But I don't even think that's something we should worry about. The Colts are the best team in the division this year. Tennessee Titans went out there and they lost to New York. They lost to the Giants. And I know we tied to the Texans. That's probably not much better. But I want to take our best start since 2013. And if we can beat Jacksonville for the first time since 2014, I think we could have something special in the making. Because after Jacksonville, it's an uphill battle for a long time. You know, we've got Kansas City in week three. We've got Tennessee coming up. We don't play the Texans and the Jags or really anybody that bad for a while. That Titans game that we played a few weeks is going to be important. But the Chiefs, let's talk about the Chiefs, man. They played lights out last night. They played lights out. Justin Herbert got hurt, which that could have been an issue for the Chargers. Maybe he was a little banged up and maybe could have led them to a quicker touchdown drive than he did. But maybe not. Maybe he played exactly as he was going to when he wasn't hurt. He was healthy. But Mahomes 
has still showed everybody he's that dude. And that Chiefs defense has strengthened a lot. When the Colts go to play the Chiefs next week, hopefully we're 1-0-1. Lucas Oil better be packing. Lucas Oil better be loud. We better have Mahomes covering his ears because he can't hear the play. It's that loud. Hopefully we knock off the Chiefs, but we got to beat the Jacks first, man. Back to 1075, the fan. I was listening to Kevin and Corey this morning, and Jake Query asked a Jacksonville ESPN uh, insider, you know, is Trevor Lawrence really that dude? Does Trevor Lawrence have the potential to be a franchise guy? And I was thinking about that myself. In fact, I turned off the sh- I turned down the show, not off. I turned it down, and I answered it on my own. I was like, I, it's not like I don't want to hear from this dude. I do, but, like, that's a really good question. Trevor Lawrence has missed a lot of throws these past two seasons. He missed a lot in the Commanders game. I watched a little bit of coverage after uh, what was the game that we had on week one. The Bears and the Niners game. A little bit of that was on um, the, the Commanders and Jags game. And Lawrence was missing some throws. But the thing was, is he was so good at Clemson where he made that throws that I don't know where, what happened to him. I don't know where that went. And he's not going to be a threat for the Colts week two. He's not going to be Patrick Mahomes week three where you have to physically train for all week in practice. We have to watch this guy all week. That's not Trevor Lawrence yet. The Jags don't even have a guy like that. James Robinson had a good week last week. He's not like that, though. Trayvon Walker, number one pick, had a decent week last week. He's played one game. Why would we prepare for solely him? You know what I'm saying? Like, the Jags are rebuilding. They're in a rebuilding stage. And if the Colts don't beat the Jags, there's some issues there. And I think that Jim Ursay will start to question Coach Reich because – Ever since Frank Reich has been the coach, we haven't won a week one game. Like, this dude has not prepared us for week one. We've never been prepared for week one. Even before 2013, I guarantee you our week one WL percentage is horrendous. So, if Frank Reich loses this game, he could be on the hot seat. Because that does something to a team's confidence. You have two teams with top five picks in the draft this year. You play them back-to-back. You're supposed to be a top-four seed in the playoffs in your conference, projected to be, and you go out and tie one and then maybe lose one? Like, I think there would be a lot of questioning for Frank Reich there. As a Chris Ballard, some people are talking about Chris Ballard being on the hot seat. I don't think Chris Ballard's on the hot seat at all. I don't. The only way I think he would be on the hot seat is if this season just totally tanks and we miss the playoffs just like last season. But even worse than that, not like I'm talking about not even a winning record. I'm talking about like winning six or seven games bad. If that happens, then Chris Ballard's on the hot seat, but he's not right now. Chris Ballard, every draft pick Chris Ballard makes, I feel like it's been so good lately. That's why he's the GOAT! The GOAT! (laughs) Think about it. That one draft we had, Naeem Hines, Braden Smith, 
Darius Leonard, all in the same round, I believe, if I remember correctly. I believe they're all in the third round. Hines might have been in the fourth round. But either way, they're all in the same draft. Hines, Leonard, and Braden Smith turned out to be all good. Nick Cross, our rookie this year, starting safety, he had a good game. He didn't get blown in coverage at all. He never blew coverage. He had a few great defensive plays I saw. He's a good run supporter. Quiddy Pay, two sacks and one drive, one huge drive the Texans had to gain momentum. I believe it was either really late in the fourth quarter or it was in overtime. Either way, though, same drive, Quiddy Pay came up with two sacks, and he had seven tackles. And this guy's a second-year guy. Michael Pittman Jr., Jonathan Taylor, those guys drafted, were drafted under Chris Ballard. So Chris Ballard can evaluate talent. Like, he knows what guys can fit together in the puzzle to build a good football team. He didn't draft a Forrest Buckner, but he traded for him. He traded our first rounder for him. It's been worth it so far. The only person that I think that was maybe questionable that was a high round draft pick was Rocky Scene. Everybody's going to have a bad draft pick, though. I mean, you can't go 12 for 12 or 11 for 11 or something like that. Like, it's just physically impossible. When you have that many guys to look at, you're not going to get every single one right. But the Colts come as minus three, just plain minus three, not three and a half favorites. Last week, I said that we were going to cover against the Texans. I'm going to say we're going to cover against the Jags. I would say hammer Colts minus three. But I have zero clue in the world, guys. If you're a Colts fan or just a sports better in general, the smartest bet to do for Colts-Jags game is stay away from it. Stay completely away from it. Don't put any money down on it because I could see both options happening so thoroughly in my head to where I'm not like, I like Colts covering a lot more than I like the Jags covering. Or I like the Jags covering a lot more than I like the Colts covering. I just don't see it because I could see Matt Ryan getting the boys together. I could see Matt Ryan being a leader. I could see the defense stepping up and playing like they did in the fourth quarter against Houston. And I could see him step up for a whole game and play like that in Jacksonville. And we blow him out of the water like we should. I can definitely see that. I could also see us continuing the 2014 streak. Us going into Jacksonville, playing like Hot garbage. And I could see not only Jacksonville covering plus three. So say we win by two or one. I could see Jacksonville covering that. But I could also see the Jacksonville Jaguars just winning, just money line. But if you're going to throw money on it, stay away from it. It's a horrible bet. You're not, it's, it's going to be a lose-lose situation either way. I, as a diehard Colts fan, am telling you right now, stay away from this game. Stay away from it. If you are going to put money down on it, good luck. Good luck, because you're going to go through an emotional roller coaster. We're going to look Trevor Lawrence. We're going to make Trevor Lawrence 
look like he's an all-pro quarterback. You're probably going to make Trayvon Walker look like he's been in the league for 20 years, right? So I don't know. But week two against the Jacksonville Jaguars, tune in 1 p.m. I believe it's on CBS. If you live in Indiana, you'll get that coverage. If you live elsewhere, an out-of-state listener, if you have an NFL team in your state, you'll get coverage for one of them if they play at 1 o'clock. But who knows? Who knows? Maybe you'll turn on the Colts game. Maybe you have Sunday ticket and you'll turn on the Colts game. I don't know. But that's my Colts talk for the day. Let's move on to who's your football because I want to talk about the same thing with them. What I saw from their week two game, Colts was obviously week one. So what I saw from IU's last game, I should say, and what I'm looking forward to on Saturday. I'll see you guys in just a second. What's your guys' record prediction for IU this season? Hmm. IU plays Western Kentucky this week, and welcome back, by the way. And this game scares me, y'all. Hopefully, if you got to this part of the episode, this is your second DW Sports episode of the day, because hopefully you listen to my IU record prediction for the season, because if not, I'm about to give you a spoiler. I was predicting week three for IU. And I'm perfect so far. I said IU was going to be 2-0. I did say they were going to be Illinois. I said they were going to be Idaho. Not really, you know, impressive. It's just like, okay, that's an average pick. Like, most people would pick that, too, unless they picked Illinois. Western Kentucky scared us last year, y'all. And I even said this in that show. I even said this, this game scares me right here because we only beat Western Kentucky by one possession last season. And it was at Western Kentucky, but it's not like they have a hostile environment that screws us up, right? The only thing that's going to mess us up is jet lag, basically. Riding on a bus all day and being sore, not stretching out your legs. is Like, that's literally the only thing that would screw us up that day. What I've seen from IU so far, I would actually say Western Kentucky covers six and a half here. I would. Western Kentucky's quarterback, Austin Reed, led um, his Division II team to a national championship. Austin Reed is a great quarterback. They had Bailey Zapp last year, obviously. I think it's Zappy. I saw say Zappy. Western Kentucky had Bailey Zappy last year. And Western Kentucky's offense was literally like number one in the nation last year. They had a great offense last year, great flow, great pace course they play in um conference usa i believe if i believe they play in conference usa like they were a good conference usa team that team was nothing to play with they won their bowl game pretty handily last year as well like they are a really really good football team and iu really needs to step up their performance. Like, I'm just going to say, if IU is going to win this game, they need to step up their performance on offense. They need to step it up on defense and on special teams. Charles Campbell missed a few kicks last week, and the weather was awful. So there's an excuse for him. Charles Campbell is usually great, 
So I do give them an excuse. The weather was awful last week to kick in. But we are down 10-0 to Idaho. At half. Idaho. And I know that we're a basketball school or whatever you want to call IU. You could even say we're a business school because our, our, our basketball program hasn't done too hot the past few years. So you can say the best thing about IU right now is the Kelly School of Business, which it probably is, to be honest, right? IU football was down 10-0 to Idaho. And I was saying, I, I know we're not considered a football school, but they're in the big sky in the FCS, and we are in the Big Ten. We get a lot of in-state recruits that play football in Indiana. And I can tell you right now, High school football players in Indiana are better than high school football players in Idaho. They are. Indiana has way more people in the state. They have bigger cities, better schools, athletically-wise. I would probably even say academically, but I'm not going to assume because I don't know anything about Idaho and Boise State and Idaho State and those schools. But I do know that Indiana is a lot more popular. We have Indianapolis, Fort Wayne, Evansville. We have a lot bigger cities than Idaho's. They only have really Boise. And I'm not trying to harp on Idaho, but it's just like we should produce more athletic kids than Idaho should in general. And I know Idaho gets out-of-state recruits as well, but I'm saying even just our in-state Indiana high school commits that play football at IU, they should be able to go out there and beat Idaho. Right. And I know Idaho had a few transfers. I know one of their linebackers transferred from Washington State. So a Pac-12 commit that went to Idaho. I think they had a guy that was a Notre Dame commit to actually. Idaho has some talent. Their quarterback, Giovanni McCoy, stud. I really like my saw to him. He, in my opinion, is one of the best FCS quarterbacks. He threw a few dimes in the rain. I was really, really impressed with. So Giovanni McCoy. Great football player, but are you? How are you going to pull up zero points in two quarters? Luckily, we put up 23 in the third and stepped up our game, but it still wasn't impressive. It still wasn't something that I want to brag about. I mean, we only won by 13 points, if my memory serves me right, 35 to 22. So, What's up with that? The weather was a factor, sure. Once we got, once our defense got that safety, everything turned around. Everything turned around, and I'm glad. Things for Western Kentucky, though. IU needs to, I think, just run with more tempo. I would honestly just say offensively. Our offense doesn't go that fast at all. There's a lot of time in between plays that lets the opposing team catch their breath. And Connor Bazelak's a good quarterback. He threw for 300-something yards in the game against Illinois, struggled in the first half against Idaho, but got it together. IU needs, I think, just better 
route concepts, to be honest. There's not a lot of options, I feel like, on some plays. Now, I can't see the whole camera view of the game in Idaho because I was watching that one on TV. I was at the Illinois game, though. IU had a deep pass touchdown that game to DJ Matthews down the field. I don't feel that IU sends a lot of guys deep a lot of the time. I use offense as a lot of medium to short passes where you catch the ball and you get yards after catch, right? Bazelak is a great thrower when he's throwing the ball deep, a great thrower. I think we need to send our receivers deep this game. I think we need to have plays where we send two or three guys deep every play, just whether that's a straight vertical route whether that's a post, whether that's a stop and go, whatever they got to do. Whenever a defense gets burnt, and as a DB, I will tell listeners this firsthandly. When the defense gets cooked, especially when a DB gets cooked, man, that brings down your confidence so much. Allowing a 56-yard touchdown, a bomb down the field. Now the offense is hyped. The defense of the team that you're playing is hyped because now they're eager to go and get a stop against your team because your offense has got some momentum back. And it honestly changes the whole momentum of the game. I think about it this way. Two years ago, COVID year, when IU was really good, we were on the road at Ohio State. Ohio State, I think, Went out by 28 points, and the next drive, Michael Penix throws like a 60, 65-yard touchdown to Ty Freifogel. It's like, okay, we're still down 21 points. But it changed the whole momentum of the game. It changed the whole momentum of the game. We only lost the game by seven, I think. And... We were down by seven points in that game and had the football. Like, we had a chance to come back and score four straight touchdowns on the road against Ohio State. We didn't capitalize, but because of that one deep shot down the field that Penix threw to Ty Freifogel, Ohio State's defense slacked a little bit. IU's offense got pumped up, and we made it a football game again. I believe that if we take deep shots down the field, good things will happen. But it has to be open, though. You know, I'm not talking about throwing it in double and triple coverage and throwing a pick, but I trust Connor Bazelak enough to launch that thing downfield and throw a dime to Cam Camper, to DJ Matthews, to AJ Barner. I don't care who it is. All of those guys are worthy of going deep. We had a sort of deep shot. We had like a 45-yard touchdown to A.J. Barner against Idaho that also, I wouldn't say changed the momentum, but it influenced the momentum of the game heavily. A.J. Barner really did a lot of that touchdown on his own. It wasn't a straight catch and stride into the end zone touchdown. A.J. Barner broke a few tackles on the way to the end zone, but it was nevertheless a 45-yard touchdown. And IU is 2-0. I stand by what I said. 
Again, spoiler alert, if you haven't listened to the IU prediction episode, go listen to it because I stand by what I said when I say I still think we're going 6-6. Six and six. Actually, now, no, I'll say 6-6. Six and six. I was going to say 7-5, and five, but we always lose a game that we shouldn't. So, if we win this game, I predicted IU to win this game. So, in my predictions, we were 3-0 at this point. And then I had us beating Rutgers, Maryland, and Purdue for the other three um, to go 6-6. Six and six. I could even see us beating Nebraska on the road now. They fired Scott Frost. They have an interim head coach. Nebraska's struggling right now. If Oklahoma beats them, they're going to be 1-3, I believe, 1-3. Georgia's Southern loss for them was horrible. Um, so by that time, we got to play Cincinnati in between Nebraska and Western Kentucky. If Cincinnati wins this week, they'll most likely be back in the top 25 when we play them on the road. So I would predict three and one for the Hoosiers playing Nebraska on the road. So if we win all the games I just said, plus Nebraska, that would be seven and five. But again, I think. We'll go six and six because we always lose a game that we shouldn't. So, what, bro? What are you talking about? Six and six is still my prediction going back to a bowl game. Not a bad season for Tom Allen and the Hoosiers overall so far, though. A little worried about that Idaho game, but I love Tom Allen as a head coach, and I trust heavily that he will get us back in the right mindset and train us for week three, get us a dub week three. That is all for you guys this week. Thank you guys for tuning into this episode. Make sure you follow our social medias. That is important to keep up with DW Sports episodes. I'll try to be more consistent in the future. I will upload tomorrow, Saturday, and Sunday. I'll do my best to upload on Tuesday because I kind of have a busy day on Tuesday. I'll let you guys know. On the social medias, if I'm not uploading Tuesday, so you guys don't have to go looking for it. But thank you guys for tuning in today. I really appreciate each and every one of you. Summer is coming to a close. So strap up for the winter time. Sweatshirt weather. I'm in fact wearing a sweatshirt right now. If you're listening to the audio version, it's getting a little bit cooler, man. It's starting to get to the 60s. Luckily, Halloween is coming up next month. My second favorite holiday behind Christmas. Halloween might even be my favorite holiday. To be honest, once I end the show, I'm going to think about that heavily because I have zero clue if Christmas or Halloween is my favorite holiday. No idea. But either way, it's tough too, though. So I'll see you guys. Make sure to stay safe out there. For all my Indiana residents, when it starts to get cold, stay warm. It's football season, so you can stay in and watch football all day long. It's what we like to see. See you guys tomorrow. Thank you guys for tuning in.